Well, good morning. We're glad that you're with us today as we begin week five of our journey through the story. And if you have the story, turn to chapter five. If you don't, turn to the book of Exodus, chapter number 20, and you can find that on page 73 and 74 of your pew Bible that is in front of you. I'm really glad that you are with us today, and uh, maybe this is the only week that you're going to be with us. I know we've got some visitors from out of town with us today. Maybe this is the first Sunday that you've been here this fall. We're hoping you'll come back. We have several copies of the story that are for sale. They're just $5, and we are really enjoying journeying through God's Word together. Before we get to the story, quick information about tonight, 5.30 to 7, grade school youth groups meet. Uh, That is for four-year-olds through fifth grade. If you have a child that age and they haven't tried Sunday evening youth groups, get them here. It is awesome. Shelly Lee and her staff have put together just a great program. They're going through the story as well, so they're going to be studying what you're studying. You can talk about it together as a family, 5.30 to 7 tonight in our primary area. Reveal, which is our program for junior high and senior high, We're doing a split tonight, kind of on an experimental basis. I'm not going to say anything else about that because Cody's going to talk about that later in the service, other than to say especially junior hires need to be here at 5 tonight. So that's a little bit of a change. And if you're a parent or a grandparent or just someone that's not doing anything tonight, come at 545, a Lord-led ladies' classroom. We have a small group that studies the story together. It's more of an intimate group. We've had anywhere from 10 to 20, and it's a great time to ask questions that you might have about the story. Again, this is week five, so let me give you a quick summary of where we're at up to this point. Week one, we looked at how the stain of sin, the sting of sin, destroyed God's perfect utopia. Everything was awesome until Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, and then everything changed. And, and, and the rest of the Bible is going to be the story of what do we do with sin? What do we do with the separation that took place? Week two, we looked at the story of Abraham and how most of Abraham's life, he chose to trust and obey whatever circumstance came his way. And some of the time, it's really easy to trust and obey, and some of the times, man, it is gut-wrenching to trust and obey. But that's the choice that Abraham made. And for some of us, that's where we're at in our faith right now. Uh, more than anything else, we need to get to the point to where we say, God, I'm just, I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey. Whatever I'm going through, whatever circumstance is coming my way, I'm going to live the words of that great hymn, trust and obey, there's no other way. Week three, we looked at Joseph and how Joseph chooses integrity in every situation. I mean, So many bad things happen to Joseph, and he's always a man of integrity. And other than Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, perfect in every way, Joseph is probably, in my opinion, the greatest hero of the faith in the Bible. There's not really a lot of negative about Joseph. He always chooses integrity. And and so put that in the back of your mind. When you face that situation this week or this month and you're challenged, Remember, Joseph always chose integrity. We're called to choose integrity as well. And then last week, apple and pork, we just had the one Sunday, and we looked at the first part of three weeks looking at the life of Moses and how God, through Moses, led his people out of the promised land. And we called that message deliverance. Today's message is covering Exodus 19 through 40, the second half 
for the most part of the book of Exodus. But we're really going to spend most of our time in just one chapter, Exodus chapter 20, and it is the giving of the Ten Commandments. And so what I want you to do right now, in your bulletin, I've got a couple blank lines, write down as many of the Ten Commandments as you can remember. Ready, get set, go. How many of the Ten Commandments do you remember? Even the little ones are writing down the Ten Commandments. I love that. That's great. Full participation. How many of the Ten Commandments do you remember? How many of the Ten Commandments do you remember? How many of you think you know all ten? Somebody think you want to come up and do it right now? I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't do that to you. Ten Commandments. But to help you kind of get in that direction, I've got a little quiz. And if you're new around here, you know, I probably should have been a teacher at some time in my life because I love to give quizzes. And there's nothing better than taking a quiz that really has no point value, right? I mean, there's nothing really that matters necessarily. So we're going to take a quiz together, and if you get 100% or you fail, it doesn't really matter, but we're going to see how well you know the commandments. Question number one. How many times are the Ten Commandments listed in the Old Testament? You know one, Exodus chapter 20, are there more? How many of you say just one? How many of you say twice? Three times? Ten times. Survey says twice. Twice. Exodus 20, Deuteronomy chapter 5. Question number two, where were the Ten Commandments given? Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, Mount Pulaski, or Mount Carmel? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I'm afraid someone might say yes to Mount Pulaski. It's a cool place. It's not that cool. Survey says Mount Sinai. Now, there are commentators that say Mount Sinai really was Mount Horeb. So if you put Mount Horeb, I'm going to give you half credit, okay? Half credit. Number three, which of the following is not one of the Ten Commandments? Do not misuse the name of the Lord. Do not become drunk and disorderly. Do not steal. Do not covet your neighbor's house. What do you think? Survey says... B, even though it probably should be, right? We shouldn't be drunk and disorderly, but it's not one of the Ten Commandments. Number four, who did the Lord originally give the Ten Commandments to in Exodus chapter 20? You actually have to read Exodus chapter 19, the end of it, to get this answer. What do you think? Survey says Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron. And we talked about that in Sunday school class today. Some people said Aaron wasn't there. Read the last two verses of Exodus 19, and you'll find out that yes, he was. Number five, by the first century A.D., the religious leaders had expanded the Ten Commandments to how many different laws and commands? And I know this is probably a guess for a lot of you, so I'm just going to tell you the answer is D, 607. And that's a picture of legalism. That's a picture of religion out of control. And let me give you this example. This is a law. If you have the, your craft is you dye cloth. And let's say you're dyeing cloth purple, and it's Friday during the day, and the Sabbath begins when? At sundown Friday. If your cloth is not completely dry by sundown Friday, you have sinned, and the sin must be atoned for. That's craziness, but that's what happens when religion is running rampant, out of control. And then number six, this is kind of a New Testament twist, but in the Sermon on the Mountain, Jesus says in Matthew 5 that he came to do what to the law? To expand upon the law, to abolish the law, to fulfill the law, or to rewrite the law? The answer is C, to fulfill the law. And that's a huge takeaway. 
Because a lot of people think that, you know, the Ten Commandments don't really matter. When I preached the series through the Ten Commandments four and a half years ago, I shared that we were going to do that at a minister's meeting, and I had a good friend in ministry say, I think that's possibly the stupidest thing I've ever heard, that you're going to spend 11 weeks on the Ten Commandments. Who cares? Let's just preach Jesus. Do you know you can't study the Ten Commandments and not see Jesus and not understand Jesus? So with that, that's where we're at today. And a big takeaway when understanding the Ten Commandments and the next time that you have somebody try to give you a quiz and how many Ten Commandments did you remember, one easy way to remember how the commandments are structured is that the first four commandments talk about our vertical relationship with the Lord and the final six commandments talk about our horizontal relationship with people and possessions. So if you think about it, four deal with our vertical relationship, six deal with our horizontal relationship with people and possessions. And so we're going to look first at the first four commandments that deal with our relationship with the Lord, our relationship with the Lord. And commandment number one is this, most important, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. Go to commandment number one, no other gods before me. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 simply says, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. Do we have other gods in our day and age? Do we? What do you think? Do do we? Do you think? See, I think for a lot of people, they say, you know, I I haven't worshipped Baal lately. I haven't worshipped Zeus lately. I don't have any other gods in my life. In fact, it's really cool and trendy today in the world to be an atheist, to say I don't believe in God, or to be an agnostic. I don't even know if God exists. Uh, People all all through the last 100 years have written essays and books and philosophies about how God is dead or there is no God. But understand, back in this day, in this age, in this time, there were no atheists. Everybody believed in God. God's plural. In fact, from last week, we had the ten plagues that that were, were thrown down by the Lord onto the Egyptians, and each of those plagues was an answer to who the Egyptians worshiped in terms of their gods. And so the plagues last week really was, you could call, a battle of the gods. And the true God, the one God, the Lord our God, won the battle. And so the Lord says, first and foremost, do not be flirting with other gods. Israel is going to struggle with this for for, for the next 1,400 years. They're going to have a really hard time with other gods. Commandment number two, no idols. No idols. You shall have no idols made in any form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Do we have idols today? How many of you, before you came to church today, kind of had a polytheistic moment where you bowed down to your golden calf? Anybody have that experience? You had this little idol on the shelf, and you said, you know, habada habada, or whatever you say to, to your idol. No, we don't do that today, right? So we don't need to worry about commandment number two, right? Wrong. Idols are all around us, whether it's our, our homes or our cars 
or positions of prestige or sports teams. I just spent the last couple days in Knoxville, Tennessee, and, and it is really wild being in a community where college football really matters, being in a community where the college football team actually wins games. It, it's crazy. I mean, everywhere I went, it was Tennessee football. If I hear Rocky Top or whatever that song is one more time, my head's going to explode. Jordan and I went to get pancakes yesterday morning. Everybody is dressed in Tennessee volunteer gear. And oh, by the way, they lost yesterday, so they're all sad and depressed today. But the point is this, for some people, that's an idol. For some people, their sports team has become an idol. What's an idol? Anything that takes away from your relationship with the Lord your God. And God is saying through Moses to the people, don't go down that road, and they're going to go down that road a whole bunch. Number three, do not misuse the Lord's name. Exodus 20 verse 7 says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. How, how are we doing on that commandment today? That might be the most flagrant commandment that is broken when we don't even realize it. When's the last time you were doing a little text or doing a little typing or you're on Facebook and somebody uh, says something that you can't believe and you type in O-M-G? What's that stand for? Do not misuse the name of the Lord, your God. Commandment number four, remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. I, I think this might be the hardest for me, just being transparent with you this morning. I think I might struggle with this the most. Here's what Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11 says. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien living within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. I used to think growing up that you kept the Sabbath if on Sunday you didn't work, and you didn't mow your grass, and you just kind of laid around on your couch and watched the bears lose. That, that was a Sunday experience of Sabbath. And sadly, for, for many of us, we lay around on our couch Maybe we watch sports, maybe we watch a movie, maybe we surf the internet, but it's really not a true Sabbath experience. What's the principle behind the commandment? Worship me. Slow down from your craziness, slow down from your busyness, and be in relationship with me. When's the last time you took a time of personal Sabbath? When's the last time you said, I, I don't care what's on the docket for the next two hours? I'm off to Weldon Springs for the next two hours. I'm on my bike for the next hour. I'm going to walk for the next hour. I'm in my closet with my Bible on my knees, reading and praying. A time to soak in your relationship with the Lord. I, I will tell you, when I take time for personal Sabbath, I never regret it. Never regret it. But the days that I wake up and I, my to-do list has 17 things on it and I just start churning away and I'm going, and I mean the people that work with me here will, will say that, life's a train wreck too much of the time. I feel like your head's going to explode too much of the time. And so maybe a takeaway for you today is this week you need a time of personal Sabbath. 
You need a time where it's just you and God. Did you know we have a prayer room here at our church right around the corner on your way up to the Family Life Center? We have people in there right now praying for this service, praying for me, praying for you. Um, it's open when the church is open. It's a great place to find personal Sabbath. First four commandments deal with our vertical relationship with the Lord. The next three commandments are going to deal with our relationship with other people. And see, for some of us, we think, I want to just live my life of faith in a bubble. And I'm going to be this awesome, holy, spiritual person. But how I deal with other people doesn't really matter. I can kind of be a bull in a china shop with other people. I'm going to live my life like I want to live my life because I'm good with God and that's all that matters. But the problem is, that's not all that matters. It matters how you interact with people. It matters the impression that we make on other people. It it matters the words that come out of our mouth. It matters the way we go about our relationships. And so here's three ways that the Lord says, and this first one, I want anyone under the age of 18 to really listen up to commandment number five honor your parents. Honor your parents. Verse 12 of Exodus 20 says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And I just saw some kids kind of slump their shoulders. So hard, so tough. Can I challenge you if you are under the age of 18? to do a personal assessment. You don't have to do it right now, but do it sometime today. And just, if, if there was an honor meter, where, where are you at when it comes to honoring your father and your mother? And I know for some of you, your parents aren't Christ followers. We have some students here, despite mom and dad. And I want to just say that's awesome. Because when I was your age, I don't know that I would have made that decision as a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old. But I think one of the greatest ways that you can influence your non-Christian dad or your non-Christian mom is to honor them. Even when you don't approve. Even when they make mistakes. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard children, students, talk to their parents in almost profane ways. And I just, I can't believe it. And so I would just challenge you, if you're under the age of 18, think about, maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe God wanted you here this morning so you can really wrestle face-to-face, do I honor my father and my mother? Even when I don't approve, do I honor them? Number six, do not murder. Now, right here you're going to say, I haven't killed anybody. If I murdered someone, I wouldn't be here. I'd be in jail or I'd be in prison, right? What's the principle? What's the takeaway from Exodus 20, 13, you shall not murder? Here's the principle as I see it. Life matters. Let me say it like this. All life matters. And so your worldview, do you have a worldview that reaffirms that all life matters? That person you don't get along with, their life matters? people that live their life in just a disgusting kind of way, that life matters? Can I bring up the abortion issue? All life matters? Life matters. Commandment number seven, do not commit adultery. Do not commit adultery. What's the takeaway here? Well, obviously, um, sexual intimacy is meant to be experienced in the confines of marriage. 
hear me say that loud and clear. That's what's being talked about here. So if you're not in a marriage relationship, Lord's saying don't be sexually active. And if you are in a marriage relationship, don't be sexually active with anybody other than your spouse. But I think there's even a deeper meaning than that. And you may say, how could there be a deeper meaning than that? Here's what I think the takeaway for us today is that marriage matters. Your marriage matters. So if you're here today and you say, you know, my marriage isn't that great. I'm not the husband I need to be. I'm not the wife I need to be. Don't just settle for average or below average. And if you're in a dating relationship and maybe it's starting to get kind of serious, you're actually you know, holding hands with the interlocked fingers type of a thing, you know, is that person someone that you see yourself spending the rest of your life with? Is this someone that, that you have a passion to grow, not just as a person with, but grow in faith with? Marriage matters. You know, right here, the temptation is on the inside. If you are divorced, you've been divorced, you went through the pain of divorce, is to kind of slump your shoulders down and say, there he goes again, the preacher's preaching out against me. Woe is me. Condemned is me. That's not my point at all. You can't go back in time. We, we don't have time machines. Okay, We can't go back and redo what happened five years ago or five months ago or even five days ago. But what you can do is say, I'm going to make sure right here, right now, my marriage will thrive. And if I'm not married before I get into marriage, I'm going to make sure that I am prepared for success. We make couples that are going to get married at our church go through a premarital workshop. Candy Heap and Anne-Marie Hubble and Joyce Mathias and Kelly Pine and, and several other people put this day together. And I'll always have a, a couple would-be brides or would-be grooms that are just like, man, that's a drag. I don't want to give up a Saturday. It's a Saturday. I work all the time. I don't want to go hear some preacher preach to me. I don't want to go have to make nice with a bunch of couples that I don't know. We want every marriage that takes place to be set up to succeed from the very beginning. Okay, so those are commandments about our relationship with people. We had our vertical relationship with the Lord. Commandments 8, 9, and 10 deal with our relationship with what I'm going to call possessions. And I'm going to do these pretty quickly here. Commandment number 8, do not steal. Now, most of you are sitting there and saying, you know, I, I, I've not ever had that problem. I've never went to the department store and grabbed that shirt that I wanted and tucked it in my jacket and walked out. And even if you tried to do that today, you're probably going to get caught because security's really good. So you're just saying, skip through that. Don't even spend time with that. That commandment doesn't matter. My guess is most of us are more guilty of this than we think. And I'll just give you one scenario and I'll let it kind of cook. It's Friday afternoon and you're at work and your boss, because he's your boss, decided he's taking Friday afternoon off. And so you're all alone and you got some stuff on your work pile that you could do, but you don't really have to do it and you don't really want to do it. And man, you haven't been on Facebook for a while. And so you log on to Facebook, even though it's two o'clock in the afternoon and you're just going to check it out for a couple minutes and a couple minutes turn into a couple hours. You have just stolen. People are like, say what? What have I stolen? You've stolen time from your employer. You've stolen work ethic from your employer. So let's just cook on that and move on to commandment number nine. Do not give false testimony. Verse 16 says you shall not give false testimony 
against your neighbor. I, I like what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, and this might be a great model for us as we look at the words that we use and the things that we say. Jesus made it really simple. Remember what he said? Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. And let me just say, just because you preface something as this is a prayer request doesn't mean that it's okay to gossip and slander. You ever been there? Someone says, hey, I've got a prayer request. And then it's blah, 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 blah. Bad stuff, bad stuff, bad stuff, bad stuff. They're terrible. They're awful. Let's pray. That, that is bearing false testimony against your neighbor. Anybody ever been guilty of that? I have. Jesus said, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. And then commandment 10, do not covet. Verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And if Jesus was talking today, he'd say, don't covet your neighbor's car. Don't covet your neighbor's wardrobe. Don't covet your neighbor's baseball team that's still playing in the playoffs. Don't go down that road. Do not covet. That's a tough, tough command for many of us. So what do we do with these? I mean, I bet some of you, you've heard sermons or lessons on the Ten Commandments your whole life. Very little was new this morning. Let me give you three takeaways. Number one is this. Understand that the Lord gave Moses the Ten Commandments to give to his people as part of a covenant relationship. And there's that word again, relationship. And all throughout the rest of the Old Testament, we're going to see this covenant relationship. And sometimes it's awesome, and sometimes it's awful. Sometimes God's people are thriving and winning and expanding their kingdom. And many times they're worshiping other gods and they're worshiping idols and they're doing awful things and they become a people that is oppressed. And so understand, this is all about establishing a covenant relationship. Second, this is huge. The Ten Commandments were meant to liberate the Lord's people. When you think about rules, when you sit down and you give your kids or your coworkers or your friends, okay, here's the rules. We're at the retreat, and you can do this, 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 and this, but you can't do this, 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 or this. You know, the temptation is just to say, well, that's a bummer. Who wants rules? And I think for some people, that's how they look at the Christian religion. I'm going to use that term even though I don't like it. It's how they look at Christianity, a bunch of rules. I can't have fun like my neighbor has. I can't have fun like my coworker does. That's not why the Lord did. The Lord did to liberate his people, to bring them freedom so that they can live their life in covenant relationship with him. And then third, understand Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it and praise God that he did. Well, if you're reading through chapter 5, you know that the Ten Commandments were a small part of chapter 5, and there's two other really important principles that I want to give you this morning uh, before we leave. And number one is this, in Exodus 19 through 40, the Lord gives instructions to Moses on where the Israelites can worship Him, and He establishes the, the exact specifications for the tabernacle. It's in Exodus 25 and following, and He says, do it exactly like I tell you to do it. And this is a place where the Lord can meet His people. Today, we live under a new covenant. And what is the church today? It's you and me. Now, we're in an awesome sanctuary. I love this sanctuary. It's beautiful. But the church today is you and me. 
And then the second takeaway from chapter 5 is the Lord gives Moses instructions on how the Israelites can atone for their sins. And the answer is animal sacrifices. Last week in chapter 4, getting ready to institute the Passover, the death angel will pass over the Israelite homes. Remember what they had to do? They had to take an unblemished one-year-old male lamb or goat, kill it, and take the blood. And what did they do with the blood? They sprinkled it on their door frames and on the sides of their door. And that blood became their salvation. And what we're going to see playing out through the rest of the Old Testament is blood is going to be covering sins. And and maybe we don't like that. Maybe, Maybe we don't think that's fair. Maybe we read that and we say, well, man, I would hate to have to kill my dog because I sinned or my cat. Well, maybe cats. That's a different story. But I don't want to have to kill an animal. That's a joke, by the way. Please don't write me a note. Please don't write me a note. Here's the point. Jesus Christ will ultimately become the one-time for all-time sacrifice, and His blood will cover our sin. Victory because of the blood of Jesus. And so the bottom line is this. The Lord gives His people the Ten Commandments so they can experience freedom in their lives. Commandments, obeying, leads to freedom. And that's the sermon today. Now, I want to put something in about next week. I haven't done this a lot of times. Do not miss next week. I was so excited. I did a lot of advanced work this week on on sermon for next week. I almost decided just to preach two sermons today. But, you know, then you'd miss NFL, and I know you'd be mad at me, and there'd be protests, and you wouldn't come back. So I'm just telling you right now, be here next week. You will not believe some of the narrative that we're going to study together from the book of Numbers. I'm so excited. I can't wait to preach it. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for today. And we thank you for the fact that you love us so much, you tell us how we can live our lives. And how commandments that seem to restrict actually bring us freedom. So help us to be a people that love you, but also want want to obey you, want to honor you with our lives. When we're at work, when we're at home, when we're on the football field, when we're in the classroom. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a couple songs and move into a time of communion, but I want to offer to you the opportunity that if Jesus isn't Lord of your life, I'd love to visit with you about what it means. It's the most important decision you'll ever make to say, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus. And I also want to let you know, I'd love to pray with you. I'm up front. Cody's up front. Tim Wenthe is up front, one of our ministry team leaders. And if you want someone to pray, Mark Barron's, one of our elders, is up front. We'd love to have the opportunity to pray with you as we stand and Samuel and the team leads us in a time of worship.